0: Drank two Bang Energy drinks today. First time I've done that in a while. I haven't been drinking much Bang. Which is why I haven't been talking about it. But yeah, I haven't been drinking much Bang lately. They changed the can on me. You know, someone with some conservative tendencies, I'm not sure how I feel about that. The cans are white now. Still Bang. I just gotta get used to it. But yeah, I bought myself a Bang last night. Had it this morning and then a friend visited this afternoon and brought me two bangs and a vape she gave me what was left of her vape so I have a nicotine vape and I have I have another bang in my fridge maybe I'll drink it for my next episode we'll see it's been a while what's interesting though is like my caffeine intake has gone way down as it should <laughs> like if, if you're not drinking bang regularly your caffeine intake should go down. Like if you've been drinking a lot of bang like I was and you haven't been and your caffeine doesn't go down, like your caffeine intake doesn't go down, like what are you doing? Compensating with something else. But no, what's interesting is like, like basically my caffeine routine, what we call a caffeine routine now, is I drink four cups of coffee first thing in the morning. And to be fair, the second cup and the fourth cup aren't as strong. Like, I make it strong, but the second cup and the fourth cup aren't as strong because I'm using the same grounds that I use to make the first and the third cups. And I don't know, yeah, you know, I have no idea what that does. Like, I do pour over. Oops. I do pour over. And, uh, you know, I use the same, the same grounds for the first, or for the second one, as I do the first, this doesn't require this elaborate explanation, and I almost walked through a crosswalk when cars were going, so I gotta be careful, but, uh, so yeah, like, I mean, I, but I would say I start out the day with four cups of coffee, and that's, that's pretty much it, like, if I need a little boost in the afternoon, maybe I'll have another cup of coffee, or maybe I will drink something with caffeine in it. But I do feel like my caffeine intake has been a lot healthier than it was a while back. Where drinking two bangs in a day wasn't that uncommon. Wasn't that uncommon. But what's weird about it is I still didn't catch any buzz. Like, I still didn't catch any buzz from two bangs today. What's up with that? You know, you'd think, like, maybe my uh, my tolerance is just so blown out i've just blown my tolerance into nothing All right i've blown my my tolerance like way out into the stars somewhere because i would have thought i would have adjusted you know like i, I would have thought that it would have adjusted to where drinking two bangs is going to get me a buzz but it's been a long time since i felt a caffeine buzz it has been a long long time since i felt anything basically if i don't drink caffeine i can feel that like, if I'm late, you know, if I'm late to drinking caffeine, like, I can feel the fact that I haven't drank caffeine, but it doesn't give me any kind of high or buzz. But, uh, you know, it's interesting, as I've noticed in the last, I'd say, five days, a lot of masks, the mandates haven't changed. In about the past five days, maybe a week, When I go to the store, I'm starting to notice it again. A lot more masks again. And I'm wondering, like, where is the memo? You know, where where do I find the memo about that? Because there must be some kind of concern brewing about another wave. Otherwise, because, I mean, nobody was wearing them for a while. Nobody was wearing masks. Like, as soon as they lifted the mandate in March, nobody was wearing them. Just a couple people here and there but I've noticed in the last week I'm seeing a lot of them again so there must be something out there but where do you even go for Caroni news? I wouldn't even know where to find up-to-date Caroni news, you know I wouldn't even know the other thing that's happened twice now in the last it's been the last two or three days yeah, it's been, it's been yesterday and today it's back-to-back actually because I went to the store yesterday too Two different grocery stores. When I went in, there was somebody standing by the hand baskets. There was a customer standing by the hand baskets, meticulously wiping down the handle and edges of their basket. I went to a store yesterday and there was a man and he was just, he was really wiping down his basket to the point where I had to wait. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, if you're going to do that, at least grab the basket and move it over. But people who do that are, are too afraid to touch it before they've done that. So they're just doing it in the stack. Like, they're, they're making other customers wait so they can wipe down their basket. I thought that was kind of weird. I haven't seen that in a while. I haven't heard anything about touching things being a problem since 2020. And then today I went to Safeway, a different store... Just now, and I walk in, and there's a lady doing that to the basket. And my understanding, too, it's like I, I can kind of get if there's concerns about corona coming back. I understand why people have started wearing masks again. I understand why they do that, but I'm wondering why two days in a row I've seen people meticulously wiping down hand baskets in the grocery store. Because didn't they disprove that? Like, didn't it didn't it become known that? You can't really catch Coroni Vibe by touching things, or can you? I I don't even know. That was the initial hysteria. I mean, the initial hysteria about Coroni was it'll get in through your eyes, your ears, your nose. They were saying stuff like that. I'm not making that up. They said it could get in through your eyeballs or your ears, and I was going to the grocery store and actually seeing people wearing earmuffs. The other idea was that it's just on everything that anything you touch could potentially have coronavirus And they were pushing the whole hand-washing thing. But uh, that kind of subsided. They learned it was airborne. And what I started to hear was that it was a... Um, yeah, that you could only get it through the air. So regardless of how you feel about the efficacy of masks, it makes sense that if people are concerned again about Corona, they would start wearing masks just because it is airborne. But I'm wondering if if the memo changed about touching things again, because I really thought people had moved past that. And now two days in a row, I've seen people meticulously cleaning hand baskets. And they didn't seem like crazy people either. Have they been doing that all along? Have these two people that I happen to see back-to-back, have they been doing that for the last two years? Or did something make them start wiping things down again? Because for a while, it was the store. Like, the store was like, we wipe everything down after everybody uses it. You go into a store, and there'd be somebody standing by the carts, and they'd be wiping them all down after people got done using them. They're not doing that, so I'm wondering what's going on. And maybe, the, I, I don't know. I don't know if there, there's still anything to the idea that you can get this by touching things. I thought we—I thought that was left in the dust a long time ago. But what I do know is I think some people's brains are just cracked. Like, if there is some sort of growing concern about another wave of corona, maybe people's brains have just reverted back to the way they were two years ago, where it's like, better wash everything. Better leave your groceries in the garage overnight. Better wash your broccoli. You know, maybe people are just back to that. But I mean, that's been my thing from the beginning. Just to like, you know, if you you were Rip Van Winkle, how do you even know what's going on? Like, shouldn't there be some, like, main place that's not the news, because we can't trust them. Shouldn't there be just some main place where this stuff is talked about? Do I just not know where that is? You know, what is it that made all these people start wearing masks again? What is it that made all these people start wiping things down again? Just kind of weird. And now we've moved on to the next topic, you know, which is... Roe versus Wade. I don't have anything to say about it. don't have anything to say about it. Partially, because I don't know how I really feel about it. I don't know how I feel about the, the abortion issue. I'm a fan of states' rights. You know, because it's, it's very... It's easy to be anti-government. But, you know it's immature and unsophisticated to think we can truly live without a government and if we were to actually abolish the government if we were just to get rid of all government altogether we'd have to recreate it it's what I always talk about when you completely abolish something human beings inevitably have a need and the will to recreate that thing and government's a good example if we got rid of government well we'd quickly learn why we have governments And we'd inevitably recreate one anyway. But uh, if, if we have to have a government, I think, you know, as small as possible. You know, it should be on a communal level. And a state is more of a community than a country. Especially a country this big and this divided. So I, you know, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with laws being dictated at the state level. Because even though I'm for the decriminalization of weed, and for that matter, the legalization, I don't think we need federal laws about it. Like the problem right now is that there are federal laws still in place against the legalization of marijuana. But I would rather just not have any federal laws about it. It's not that I want the federal government to pass a law that marijuana is now nationally legal. It's that I want, I want them just to get rid of all federal laws about it and let the states decide, which is sort of what we have right now. And it's not a perfect argument. I mean, there's no perfect argument for anything. But I do think if something is truly important to you, you can go to the place where you can do that. Like, if weed is truly important to you, you could move to a place where it's legal. But I think those things should be handled, not just on the state level. I think they should be handled on a county level. Like, you have dry counties. You have counties that don't allow the sale of alcohol. Even though I don't drink, and I think alcohol causes all kinds of problems... I'm okay with them having dry counties. If that community has decided that they are a dry county and they have a reason for it and the majority agrees, you know, it seems okay to me. And it's not that hard to move out of a county. It's not that hard to drive to another county if you want to buy booze. I think weed should be that way. If a county wants to legalize weed, they should be able to. So I'm not opposed to abortion being handled similarly. I'm not opposed to abortion being handled on a state level. I mean, ideally it would be handled on an even smaller level than that, on more of a communal level. And, uh, as far as my actual opinion on abortion goes, man, I'm... I'm glad I don't have to have one. And nobody likes that answer. If somebody's pro-choice and you say, Yeah, you know, I'm kind of ambivalent, indifferent. They're going to be upset. Because they want you to agree with them. And if someone's pro-life and you say, I'm kind of ambivalent, I'm kind of indifferent. They'll be upset at you because they want you to agree with them. Even though you don't really agree with their enemy... As I've said many times people often hate that more people often want you to hardline disagree with them because it's easier to deal with you if they know you're their enemy if you exist in some sort of ambiguous gray zone to them if they're not quite sure about you that actually disturbs them way more and we see this in people's behavior People will attack independent-minded people. Even though they might agree with them more than their enemy agrees with them, they would be more comfortable with you if you were their enemy because they'd know exactly how to categorize you. They have to do too much work if they can't do that. People's minds have to do too much work. There's too many uh, open ends if they don't know how to immediately categorize you. But where I come from on it, too, you know, it's... I believe in the human soul. I believe in animal souls as well. I believe in the human soul. And I wouldn't be able to tell you what it is. If I could tell you what a soul is, I'd be doing bigger things than this fucking podcast. I'd be talking about this in other places if I knew what a soul is. What my experience in life has told me is that we as individuals have something about us that is immeasurable, intangible, and immortal. And I don't know where the cutoff is. I don't know where the boundary of that is because I think that thing is part of everything. I think that there is something unique inside of us there is sort of an individual soul inside of us, but it's so connected to everything outside of us that it's hard to draw the boundary. It really is this is going to be a bad joke, but it really is a collective soul. I never thought about that band name before, but it's a good band name. No, it's it's actually not a it's a, it's a terrible band name. But the idea isn't bad. Like there is this collective soul. There is this larger force that we are all participants in and it inhabits us all individually and it also forms that collective and when a new life is born when a new life is conceived even i believe it has that christians believe it has that and not all pro-life people are christian you know people have a tendency to assume that no there's pro-life people who aren't christian or even religious But I think it is spiritual. And when people debate abortion, they argue past each other. They're arguing about different things. They're coming from a fundamentally different place. Someone who's pro-life believes that a soul is being snuffed out of existence. And they believe that. They didn't just invent that idea to piss other people off. They didn't just invent that idea to wield power over women's bodies. Especially because many pro-life people are women. I mean, that's the thing. That's the thing that gets left out a lot. Are the the massive numbers of pro-life women. But it tends to get framed as, oh, Christian white men when there are plenty of Christian women and they're not all white but no, people, you know, Christians and pro-life people in general didn't just invent this idea that a new soul inhabits a woman's body immediately if not you know, soon after if not immediately after conception they didn't, that's what they believe and so like from the start like you have to believe that in order to argue about the same thing and I believe there are probably pro-choice people who believe in souls too but they might for whatever reason still believe in abortion or, or believe that abortion should be legal It's not a one-dimensional topic at all. And I think there are probably a lot more people like me than anyone realizes. Because with the pro-choice stuff, well, just to finish that thought, with the pro-life stuff, the pro-life stuff, the pro-choice stuff, with the pro-life stuff, I completely understand the idea that this is a new soul being born into, into the world. And that's a miracle. And to remove that, to destroy that, that does seem like a grievous sin. But with the pro-choice stuff, I also understand the idea that there are situations where it's just... You know, where the, the choice should be available, if nothing else. And I think the best argument for that is the one they often use, which is, you know, rape and incest. I think somebody who's who's a, a victim of assault and it results in a pregnancy does deserve some level of choice. And I can't possibly understand what it is to be in that position. I really can't. And I think there are people who could make an argument that, well, even if that child was conceived in a moment of evil, like a man forcing himself on a woman, maybe something beautiful could be born from that. Maybe a right could come from those, ro- from that wrong. That a beautiful life could be born from the worst possible form of conception. But, the idea of a woman being assaulted, and then having to carry a child for nine months. Knowing how that child was conceived. You know, having that associated with that, you know, having that child be associated with that trauma. Knowing that this child carries the DNA... Of a very bad person. Like if you believe in heritable traits, which I do, I believe that there are genetic components to evil. I believe that some people are predisposed. I mean it, it happens with adoption sometimes. Or someone will adopt a child and, you know, raise them really well, and there's something in them. But uh. I think a choice should be available in those situations, and it's not even that I don't feel that other people should not have a choice either, but it gets a little more murky, and I think the problem, where I always go back to with this is like I'm never able to come to a conclusion, I'm I'm never able to have a real opinion on this, a real static opinion, What I end up coming back to is like, I believe there should be the option of abortion in certain circumstances. And we should have a social infrastructure that makes that a last resort. And that we should live lives where that's gonna be less likely. You know, we should live lives where we make decisions that make that choice easier to make. Because I really don't like the view that having sex with somebody where somebody becomes pregnant is an obstacle, or it's something to avoid. Because we've, we've gotten so far into this sex culture with contraceptives and everything that we actually forget why we even have sex. You know, we forget, like, what sex even is. And we act like the thing that it's meant to do, which is to bring children into the world, is actually an obstacle or a problem or a disaster. And so that gets back to the social infrastructure. Because one thing that people always say is like, oh, you know, even for women who have had abortions, it's not an easy decision, it's not casual, it's not something they want to do, and I believe that. But I have been part of social circles, like back when I used to hang out with a bunch of liberal friends, they did talk about it very casually. I'm not going to say it was the same for all of them, but I mean, I've known women who have have had abortions and things. Most people I know are pro-choice, and they do talk about it very casually. That doesn't mean that it is necessarily a casual decision for them, but I have known certain people to treat it lightly, and that's their right. That's their right. What what just happened is something I've mentioned before, and it was a good example of it, where there was a truck driving in my direction. Like, I'm on the sidewalk, and there was a truck driving in my direction. And as soon as they saw me... They were driving, like, just a no- the normal speed limit. Just a late night cruise. And then they saw me, and they gunned it. Like, like very aggressively. And this is something that men do to other men. There's something about it. It happens to me... ...semi-regularly... ...where I'm just walking... ...and a guy in a car... ...could be a lone guy... ...he sees that another man is walking... ...and he's in a car... ...and then he revs his engine... ...and guns it. And it's not me being paranoid... and, ...and like... ...these are just coincidences... ...where like, oh guys happen to gun it... ...they happen to rev their engine... ...at the same time that like... ...they see me. Now this is something they do... It's kind of similar to men yelling at other men. Like I mentioned before, I like guess someone who walks a lot. You know, men catcall women. That happens. It's a, they do it all the time, actually. Certain cultures do it more than others. But it is something men do. Men catcall women. I've witnessed it. It's not something women make up. But they scream at other men. Like if there's a carload of young men... ...with a lot of testosterone, and they see a lone man walking... ...they just scream. Sometimes it's not even a word. There's something in them that's like... ...I need to scare or intimidate this man. I need to fuck with this man. And I think the car... I think the, the accelerating... ...revving thing is the same thing. Where, like, they see another man... ...and something deep inside them says, like... ...rev your engine, accelerate, make noise show this guy who's boss, but it just happened again, it was just interesting, because it's like I saw this truck approaching and they were driving really normal, and I could tell the second that they saw me, and if it's during the day, I'll actually see them look and then accelerate, but in this case, it was just weird, because I saw this truck and then just sure enough, you, could, you probably heard it on here, probably heard the engine. But anyway, back to the topic. Not that I have much more to say about it. But uh, I have known people to be very flippant. I have known women who are pro-choice. I have known them to be very flippant. And uh, there was an Etsy store a few years ago where it was like a young liberal woman who made and sold jewelry. And she made earrings that just said abortion. Like they were dangly earrings with the word abortion on the bottom. And I'm sure that upset a lot of pro-life people. Oh my god, can you believe it? I told you they, it's not that they're pro-choice, they're pro-abortion because that's that's what that's what people will say. It's like people aren't pro-abortion. they're pro-choice. It's not that they think abortion is good. But because things you know, because these extremes push each other further and further, there actually is a subcategory of people who do say abortion is good. Like, those people exist. And these earrings were kind of along those lines, where it's like pro-abortion earrings. Like, somebody who's pro-life, who sees earrings that just say abortion, is going to think that's the worst thing in the world. But you know what? Like, I'm, I'm in favor of free speech. Especially when it comes to humor. If you want to joke about abortion, please... I mean, a friend of mine used to run a record label way back in the day called Sloppy Abortion Records. Kind of a play on words. It was called Sloppy Abortion Records, and their logo was a coat hanger. And that was a common joke. Back when I was growing up, the coat hanger jokes were everywhere. So, I mean, you should be allowed to joke about abortion no matter what your POV is. It doesn't mean you think that it's good, although it can. So if this girl wanted to make abortion earrings, pro-abortion earrings, that's fine with me. I probably wouldn't like her based on any number of other factors, but I'm not upset. But there is an element of people who have kind of gone from being pro choice to pro abortion, and I do think that's kind of twisted. I think that's a good example of that social infrastructure kind of falling apart. And with casual sex and everything, it's like I think people have forgotten what the point of sex is. Not that you shouldn't use contraception, not that you shouldn't do it for pleasure, but you should never forget what the purpose is and to act like that's a problem. I think it shows a very twisted society. And you think about historically, too, where a lot of women and children died during childbirth. I mean, doing mafia research, I'm always amazed. Because part of the mafia research that we do involves a lot of genealogical research. And you'll find these families where they had a bunch of kids, and then you'll you'll find a record where it's like, oh yeah, this kid died... Th- at three days old this kid died at a year old you'll be looking at these family trees and you'll see that it's not uncommon at all for one or two kids in a family especially the earlier you go to have died young as a baby so the so you know it used to be so hard it used to be so difficult to even it used to be such a a high probability that your child could die or you could die But it's like the idea of doing that deliberately. You know, you can only imagine what people would say 200 years ago. But uh, it's decadent. I think that's one of the issues with the pro-choice side. Is it often comes from a place of decadence. And I'm not a fan of that. So while I'm fairly open-minded about some circumstances, or even, you know, I'm even open-minded about abortion being available to anyone and everyone, but only so long as there is a social infrastructure in place that makes that choice extremely unlikely. And that's not where we're at. We're actually in a place where... Tons of people are making that choice all the time. Tons of people are getting abortions all the time. And they start to treat it like it's normal. So that's a problem. So everybody's going to be mad at me. Like, if I express my ambivalence or indifference, everybody's going to have a reason to be mad at me. Pro-life people are. Pro-choice people are. And, you know, because I do have a spiritual outlook, I mean... If you want to take a... You're talking about that idea of the collective soul. You want to talk about the band collective soul? No, if you think about that idea of the collective soul, and that each of us, that that inhabits us individually. The collective soul is something that we all share, but it also inhabits us individually. A part of it is inside of us. And it's hard to know where the, the boundary is. Does our body contain it? Is our body a container? Is our soul confined to our body? I don't know. Nobody knows. A lot of people don't even believe in what I'm talking about right now. But uh, you, know, you could argue that, like, if that's true, if, if there, if there are, if there is some sort of collective force or energy, and it inhabits us individually when we are born or conceived. Well, if you abort a baby, that's going to go to another person or another body or another, another place. And there's some interesting ideas about this in Buddhism. When you get away from the... When you get away from the idea that uh, Buddhism is just like follow your bliss, wear yoga pants and feel good and adopt an eastern beaded aesthetic you got a beaded aesthetic when you get away from that the feel good side of buddhism which to me isn't really buddhism but who am i to judge when you get away from that like i've I've watched q a's with accomplished buddhists where someone asks, like what's your take on like babies dying like, how do you find peace? How do you, how do you come to terms with that in the context of Buddhism? Because a lot of Buddhism is just coming to terms with this life. The misery, the joy, the everything, the nothing. You know, a lot of that's in there. It's like coming to terms with everything that makes this life such a, a complicated hell. It's coming to terms with that. And I saw a woman ask during a Q&A, she asked, you know, like, how do you come to terms with, like, a baby dying? And one of the answers I heard was like, that baby came to be briefly and died. Because that was the experience that... Basically, that was what that soul needed to experience in that lifetime. That was basically the lesson that was being taught. That baby came to basically... Make that brief impact. And that was what that... Like that baby's karma. That, that soul's karma. Had manifested in that way for a reason. And that's one way of looking at it. And if you look at it that way, you could easily look at abortion and say, well, an aborted baby never came to be because a specific lesson maybe needed to be taught to the people who, um, I don't know, just to to the people whose lives it touched, however briefly... And maybe there is something karmic to it. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm getting off here. I don't, I don't really have a way to, to focus this line of thinking. I'm just kind of trying to reiterate what they were talking about during this Buddhist lecture. How, how do you even talk about that? But, uh... I mean, we're dealing with really deep stuff. <laughs> you know, the word deep, like like people... You only hear deep used majority like oh dude that's so deep oh you think you deep oh he's he thinks he's so deep some stuff is really deep we can't forget that some of the stuff we deal with really is deep isn't it we might use that sarcastically oh he thinks he's deep can't forget there actually is some stuff that's really deep and that's the stuff that's the hardest to navigate Cause that's how I feel right now. I kind of even just talking about this subject, I feel like I'm in over my head, in uh, in deep dark ocean waters, just kind of poking around, seeing something here and there, but not. I'm not really sure what I'm seeing. But yeah, I don't I don't have too much else to say about the, the whole like. Where, where to stand on something like abortion only to say that I have a lot of ambivalent and, to some degree, indifferent. I would say more ambivalent, though. I'd say I'm more ambivalent about it than I'm indifferent. And I'm glad I'm not in a position where I really need to worry about that. And I don't say that out of you know, selfishness. I actually do feel a sense of relief. Because I think about a, you know, a girlfriend I had. I was 21 she was 19 and early on we started dating like when we were getting serious she brought this topic up and she's like i just need to know where you stand on it like you know if i were to get pregnant what is your stance on abortion and i think that's a very mature topic to bring up a difficult one but good for her for bringing it up 19 years old and at that time i was just like oh yeah sure we'd get one You know, part of that's 21 years old. I wasn't looking to have a kid. I think my stance has changed somewhat. I don't even know that my opinion has changed. But I think I would have more pause. If I started dating someone now and was like, are you, you know, are are we on the same page with abortion? I don't know if I'd go along with that so readily. I don't even think my view has changed so much as just, again, I don't think that I would just nod my head along with that right away like I did. But, uh, you know, what we're going to see is, you know, just tension will be even higher. It already is. I mean, when I saw the news yesterday, I was like, oh boy. It made me really glad I don't have a girlfriend right now. It made me really glad that I don't have to have a conversation about this with anybody right now. I'm glad that I don't have a girlfriend who was really upset, because I know how that goes. I know how it is when you when you're dating somebody who has a very strong opinion about this stuff and something like that happens and there's nothing wrong with having an opinion about it. I'm just glad I don't have to deal with that. I'm glad I don't have to navigate that right now. That's how I feel about a lot of these issues. I mean, in the last two and a half years there have been numerous instances where I just say to myself I'm glad I don't have a girlfriend right now. I'm glad I don't have a girlfriend. Because I hear stories from friends and, you know... (laughs) <laughs> like like my my friend's friend whose girlfriend was basically forcing him to go to a you know a BLM riot or BLM protest like she was feeling the social pressure and he didn't want to go but she basically made him she wanted to do the right thing which she thought was the right thing she wanted to maybe score points maybe she really believed in it I don't know But I'm glad I wasn't in that position, because I've been in similar positions, and I hated it. And this hyper-reactive, ultra-political world, where that touches everything and bleeds into everything, it's got to be hard to have a relationship in that climate. And from what I gather it is, from hearing from people it is, because it was hard enough a few years ago, it was hard enough for me five years ago, it's only gotten worse. You know, now is a time where, I was thinking about this the other night, I don't know if I talked about it on here, because I'll sometimes record episodes... And not release them. If I'm if I'm on a walk, I'll just talk, and I just end up going. Eh, I don't need to release that. But something I was saying recently was, you know, we're, we're gonna we're making it very hard to forgive each other. What's taken place the last few years has made it really hard for people to forgive each other, and we need to. But that's just how things are, you know. It's We're doing a lot of unforgivable things. It's not even so much that we're doing unforgivable things. It's that we're doing them in the most spiteful ways. We're throwing so many things at each other. There's no tact. There's a lot of insult that goes along with every injury these days. And you can forgive somebody who you think has injured you. But if you feel that they've added insult to that, that makes it very hard to forgive. And I don't know. I just. People are getting pushed further and further. I can't predict what's going to happen. I mean, I saw last night. People were like, oh, there's going to be a bunch of riots. Probably not. I don't I don't think we're going to see riots over this. I think we'll see protests. I think there'll be a lot of tension. It's not going to make things easier. It's not going to make it easier to get along with each other. But I don't know that we'll see a total eruption like we did summer 2020 or anything like that. I'm curious though. Because a, a new topic, a new focus, has officially replaced the Ukraine. People got bored of that. People were watching Russia and Ukraine, and they were just like, "I thought I thought we were about to go to nuclear war." People got bored. I got bored. Hate to admit it, but yeah, I got bored. So now people have a new focus. This. Whew. But uh, I think that's what people want, though. I mean, I've admitted that myself, where you're kind of chasing the next high. There have been so many major events that twist us all up, that when one's not happening, we're like, where is it? I'm bored. And I have to admit, last night when I saw the news... I felt a little bit of a buzz. I was like, oop, the next big thing is dropped. There's gonna be interesting things afoot. That's all it is to me. It's not it's not good or bad to me. It's more just like, oh things are getting interesting again. There's gonna be a lot of it's gonna be a lot to, to observe. But I think we'd be better off if many of us just admitted we're ambivalent. If we just admit that we're experiencing a degree of ambivalence with regard to all this. The people who have their opinions set in stone, they don't like ambivalence. They think they've presented the right argument, and you'd have to be evil or crazy to not agree with them 100%. But the truth is, many of us are more ambivalent than we're willing to admit. And the reason we won't admit it is because it pisses everybody off. But I think that's one thing I'm going to make an effort to do. If anybody, you know, puts my feet to the coals or wants me to, if they try to fish for an opinion, I think I'm going to be more open about my ambivalence.